From Calvary Church of Santa Ana, this is the Calvary Life Podcast, the show where we share stories, laugh together, and have discussions about faith, life, and God with people from Calvary Church. Here's your host, Eric Wakeling. All right, welcome to the Calvary Life Podcast, and we have with us today the incredible Aaron Krushevich. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Awesome. Matt Dunn, how are you doing, too? I'm doing great. I'm also present here, so <laughs> I, I forgot about you. I'm sorry. <laughs> welcome, Aaron. We're really excited to have this conversation with you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so Aaron is going to be talking to us today primarily about Acres of Love, and we'll get into what that is, but uh, she's a longtime Calvary member. I think you're part of the Lifer Club, actually. Probably. Yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your Calvary origin story? Okay. Um, my parents have been here forever. I think that actually my mom came to church one Sunday and then walked over to Western Med and had me. So I was born on a Sunday. <laughs> you were born across the street? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I probably came back to the nursery the following Sunday. Not so. that Sunday. I mean, it seems like commitment think, would really be coming well, back right away. I would away. <laughs> say that I am probably like a Calvary rat was here Sunday morning, Sunday night, hmm. Wednesday night, yeah. every day for school. I wouldn't be surprised if they came back for the Sunday night service. Yeah. Oh, that night yeah, after yeah, you were yeah. born. <laughs> so what yeah. built what buildings were have changed or have made remained the same since you were first here? Interesting. Well, the C building. C building is yeah. new. Uh huh. Ish. Worship center. Worship center for sure. I think yeah. I was in junior high. Uh huh. When this was built. Wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, I remember when the parking lot was lots of grass. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think I twisted an ankle out there. Yeah. Yeah. And so you yeah. were you were off for a while when your dad became a pastor in another church, and so yes. you were there for a while, but then returned. So you must have liked it enough to come back, to yeah. come back, right? For sure, for sure, so that didn't yes. scar you being here three days a week for church and five days a week for school. I mean, maybe it did scar maybe. you, but not I enough got to over keep it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> worked through it. I worked through it. I came back. Exactly. Yeah. And now my kids have probably a similar experience. Yeah. I say that gives hope to my family yeah, and my kids. Totally. <laughs> right. Exactly. Now, um, this is just for me personally a little bit like yes. you are pretty much at fault for me being the pastor of Calvary Church. Whoa, I'm not sure I know all this story. Yes. So you're welcome or I'm sorry, Matt. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Do you want to try and tell what you think that story is? Should I go all the way back to the beginning? Sure. Okay. (laughs) So your wife is my best friend. That's right. We met our freshman year at Biola, and then we somehow forced our husbands to become great pals. <laughs> exactly. And so uh, Jason and I got married right after Biola, moved back east. When we got back to California, we collected all of our favorite people and tried to <laughs> hang out once a week as like uh-huh. a informal life group. Mm-hmm. And I think through that, um, you had heard about an opening here. Yep. And came. Yep. That's it. And that was the end of the story. <laughs> so were you the one that shared that there was an opening here? Probably not, but... Yeah, I mean, it was helped. obviously Aaron, Jason, Matt Davis, part of that group. Uh-huh. So yeah, it was pretty cool that um, you know all that. So it's yeah, we were so trying to Eric's suck them. Calvary this way. origin story actually is yeah. connected to you. That's really mm-hmm. cool. We we're trying to pull them up to Central OC. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. I, I'd like to just move all of Calvary Church to South OC if Amen. that was possible. Amen. That's fine. <laughs> I would. I would do that. But uh, no, no breaking news here. <laughs> no, no, no. I <laughs> promise. We're not. <laughs> we have a heart for Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful to you, obviously, and we love you, and uh, just excited to hear some of your story today and the way that your story really intersects with, um, I think, God's heart for orphans. And you think in the scriptures. Uh, just of the commands to care for the fatherless, the widow.
Widow and and others, like you've really taken that on as one of your primary life callings. I, I think maybe even your yeah. your primary life calling yeah. in a lot of ways. And so, like, take us like again back to the beginning. Like, okay. take us to the beginning of all of that. Like, when did when did that start to be sparked in you? Was it even as a kid? Was it later? How did that? Yeah. Um, so my family is kind of weird in that we had a lot of like informal, maybe like adoption stories happening in our family. Mm. My parents actually were legitimately foster parents for some extended family members for a couple of years. Um, and then growing up, we just always had somebody living at our house mm. that wasn't technically related to us by blood. Yeah. Um, and I loved it. It was awesome. And so I also think like thinking back Calvary in the 80s, like missions conference was a very big deal. Huh. Like I think some of my most formative Calvary memories are like the gym mm-hmm. having this like missions fair. And I remember it every year just thinking like it was so incredible. Mm-hmm. I think that God used that to maybe give me a global perspective mm-hmm. on the church and what that looked like and maybe put some interest in my heart, I think, mm-hmm. for especially the continent of Africa. Yeah. Um, I met Jason, my husband, in high school uh, mm. at a brief stint at another church, uh, and we went on a missions trip together. I was a freshman, mm. and I remember, like, we still talk about this, the first day we really had, like, our first conversation. It was, like, this two-hour conversation, and we were talking about everything, and in the middle of this conversation, we were, like, talking about what we wanted to do when we grew up, and I was <laughs> like, yeah, I probably will, you know, grow up, go live in the continent of Africa somewhere, and I really want to work with kids who don't have families. I, I, I stopped dating that, those girls. Right, yeah. right. I think looking back, no nursing majors. Jason was, my role. was like, "Oh, the writing was on the wall." Because <laughs> I always say now, like I told you, first thing, yeah, first like, conversation. This is who you were getting into things yeah. with, and uh, yeah, so that kind of just continued to grow. Um, in college, one of my very best friends ended up making an adoption plan for her baby. And I walked through a really beautiful, amazing open adoption journey (laughs) with her and the adoptive parents and, um, like got to be in in the delivery room with her. And it just was this beautiful thing that Mm -hmm. really, I think made me more interested in being a part of kind of the adoption or kids Mm -hmm. without families. Um, world. And then I got into grad school and thought, what do I want to spend like a lot of time studying? And I thought, wow, this experience just happened to me and it was so meaningful. So I ended up doing my thesis work on families who have adopted and Mm. I'd come home from like my interviews and I would tell Jason, we were newlyweds at the time. I was like, ah, like I really still want to adopt. And he was Mm. like, Okay. <laughs> I remember this whole thing because obviously with us, yeah. like uh, with B and I being obviously like really good friends with you guys and just kind of walking through that journey with, with you and Jason a little bit and a lot of conversations with Jason where yeah. he wasn't ready yet yeah. and how God over time was working in him. Totally. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, pregnancy's overrated. Like, mm-hmm. let's just adopt all our kids. <laughs> right. And Jason was like, I thought you'd grow out of that. <laughs> and um, uh, so we were not on the same page at the beginning. Maybe, and, maybe push pause right yeah. there yeah, for yeah. a minute because there are some of our Calvary family that maybe Maybe they're in that position right now <laughs> where one of the spouses is kind of being pulled in the direction of adoption, orphan care, um, kids without families. What would be your advice as a 22-year-old as you were waiting for your husband, 23-year-old? Oh, yeah. Do you we remember so those days? What, what would you have said or what would you say to somebody now in, yeah. that, in that So seat? I think for us, and it was very hard because I think that a lot of times I might be like the accelerator uh-huh. in our relationship in, in these areas right. in particular. Um I think it's really good that we waited until we were both on the same page. Yes. Um, 
because it's a lifelong decision and yes. you're, you know, committing That's to like these. That's like huge. Just like people need to hear what you just said, like, again, I feel like almost at some level, like we needed to wait till we were both on the same page. Cause like, yeah, you could have been like this, like overly forceful yeah. person in the, in the relationship. And then, you know, and that could have resulted in a lot of like strife oh, and struggle. Resentment, later. Yeah, res- problems yeah. down the road. Yeah. So, I mean, when you, d- however you decide to welcome a child into mm-hmm. your family, that's a huge decision that I think both partners should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really well on the same page. Mm-hmm. So um, our first child, Max, was a, a wonderful surprise. Mm-hmm. So after he was born, I was like, okay, so maybe our second child should come to us through adoption. Huh. And um, Jason at that point was like, yeah, I think you're right. And so huh. um, we adopted our second, Kate, through a domestic open adoption, which mm-hmm. was a crazy, wonderful experience. And she's such an amazing kid and a gift to our family. And then Avery, our third, was born. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we started to get really involved with Acres of Love in South Africa and fell in love with the country and the people. And that brought us to our fourth and final child, Mm -hmm. Ben (laughs) Wandile. You said final pretty strongly there. Yeah. (laughs) Never say never. We are old and tired. (laughs) And we have lots of teenagers. Yeah, because how old's Max at this point? So now we have a freshman in college. Right. Max is away at Biola. And then we've got two high schoolers. And a third grader. Yeah, A third grader, so, exactly. So, so we've got the span. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big span. It's like hard to get your head back into like lower elementary school. Totally. <laughs> and I think, oh my gosh, like mentally we could be grandparents in the next like 10 years. I'm right. not. 10 think, years. 30, 30 years. In the three, next 30 three, years. Two. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So let's, let's like uh, rewind a little yeah, bit yeah. back to like. When and how did you first start really getting um, a sense of like, okay, South Africa, Acres of Love, you were introduced to them? Yeah. So um, when I was in grad school, I did my work on adoption and adoptive families. I did some nonprofit work. And by the way, you went to UNC, North Carolina, Chapel Chapel Hill. Hill, So she's a big Tar Heel fan. Go Tar Heels. I don't think she cares. Not this this year, though. (laughs) You know what? We are committed fans regardless of our standing. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Continue. Um, I also did a lot of classwork and studies like in Families in Crisis. And um, so I was really interested in kind of great orphan care models. Mm -hmm. My parents are cool. They travel a lot and see a lot of really interesting ministries around the world. And somebody had invited them to come visit Acres of Love because they were headed to Southern Africa. And they went and saw Acres of Love in in person, gosh, probably 2005, came home and told us about it. And I think I had heard of Acres of Love like randomly before that. And when they were telling us about it, I was like, oh, this is like the best model of orphan care I've ever heard of. Yeah. Mm. Break that down. What is it? So what is that model? So basically the underlying belief of everything we do at Acres is that children belong in families and that God is the God of the fatherless and he sets the lonely in families. So everything we do for the kids at Acres of Love is what you and I would do for our kids. Mm -hmm. So it's the very best family care. We're making sure that kids have the best medical, educational, emotional, spiritual, nutritional care. Um, And it's very, very very excellently done. Hmm. So our kids are living in single family homes in great neighborhoods in South Africa that are really close to good hospitals, clinics, schools, therapists. Um, Every house has a full-time house parent that's long-term committed. Hmm. And then these kids are welcomed into what we call forever homes and they come into our homes and then we're legally their guardians until they age out. Or if they've got special needs, we know that we'll probably care for them for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, but everything down to like when we welcome little ones, they're in early intervention therapies and getting occupational and physical and Mm -hmm. speech therapy. So really like thinking through holistically what a child needs and especially kids who come from trauma and loss and abandonment because for a child to come to Acres, they would have had to have been orphaned and or abandoned. So Mm -hmm. So it was 2005 when you first heard about it through your parents. Yeah. When was your first steps into the land of South Africa? Yeah, so my sister and I actually traveled with my mom in Mm -hmm. 2007, I think. Mm Um, and we opened, we helped open a new Acres of Love home that mm-hmm. a group of women from Orange County had all kind of banded together to fund. Mm-hmm. And so we went for that like house dedication mm-hmm. and I got to see it firsthand, fell in love with these kids that mm-hmm. came into this mm-hmm. first house who um, were all toddlers and now they're preteens and teenage boys. And wow. like they are my nephews now and I absolutely love them. I'm going to dinner with them next week when I'm in town. But yeah, so these kids basically like became extended family members for us um, and we committed as so I was a volunteer at that point I um, had three kids under the age of six so I was just like what can I do to be a part of this yeah Mm -hmm. Um, I took a lot of pictures at that point in life and so I thought oh like maybe I could take a bunch of pictures when I'm there to help Mm -hmm. out the organization and so a couple months later they said hey would you maybe come back and take pictures like of every single one of our families and each of the kids individually um, and so I did that and I started doing that every year. Mm-hmm. At, and then um, as time went on, it was actually like this really cool way that God prepared my journey for mm-hmm. Acres of Love because I started to really get to know every single child at Acres mm-hmm. of Love, seeing them and kind of watching them grow. and Through mm-hmm. the lenses of your camera initially, yeah. Yeah, and even just being able to like take their picture, tell them that they're beautiful, like start to engage with them relationally. And then over time, right, like seeing the transformations, even just on their faces. So it's interesting because I think that when kids come to Acres, a lot of time they've just gone through so much trauma. And so you can see it on their face. They're just um, so devastated by what has happened to them. And so kind of seeing them open up over a span of a couple years was like such a gift to me to be able to watch just God working in their life and healing. And um, so I did that for a couple of years and my kids got a little bit bigger. And then I actually came on the team, which I was like so well prepared because I already knew all the kids, knew their names and their stories. And so it was just a great kind of transition. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, that's so cool. And it's so interesting to think about like you being a mom of three kids under six, like you could have just been like, hey, I don't. I don't have space for this right. in my life. Yeah, I, we, we nice all get idea, but later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice idea, but later. Just like we get so many sort of requests of our time and, and attention and ministry. And sometimes it's like we need to be people who say no. Yeah. But there's like this sort of prayerful moment of and, and the way God had been shaping you through your whole life of like, yeah. OK, I'm going to say yes to this one. And to, it's not it's not a short trip to go to South <laughs> oh Africa. Gosh, yeah, so to walk long. us through what how many hours, how many <laughs> different planes. So, I mean, there's a couple of different routes, but it's like a 34 hour journey. Yeah. And, you know, it's a nonprofit. So I fly economy. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. every year I'm like, oh, I feel a year older <laughs> like in these seats because yes. it's just a long, you it know, is. I have like little tricks and things because I think over the last couple of years, I probably make three trips a year mm-hmm. for like a good 10 to 14 days. So in the beginning when I had little kids, I there was one trip I took that I I landed and I was there for like three full days and then I flew back wow. and that was like, Oof. well, I didn't even get on the time zone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I think though, to answer your question, 
um, as a young mom, seeing this, like it wrecked my heart in a way that mm-hmm. maybe it wouldn't have if I didn't already have kids. Right. And just to see the level of care. I mean, so our families, you know, has some special needs. And so even just seeing like the love and the dignity mm-hmm. that Acres provides kids with special needs mm-hmm. um, and the extra resources that are around them. Um, South Africa has some really um, hurtful stigmas around kids with special needs. Like a lot of times mm-hmm. they're hidden away or they're put into institutions mm-hmm. because of just beliefs about kids with special needs. Yeah. And so seeing the way that this model of care really elevates those kids with dignity, hmm. like was really huge for me as a mom. That is huge. And it's, it kind of gets into this whole thing even of just like orphanages, you know, and like yeah. what, and I know that's something that Acres yeah, yeah. is kind of really trying to, to shift and yes. change because when we think, you know, you think little orphan Annie in some big like dorm room with bunk yeah, beds yeah. or, you know, oh, yeah. so I, you let, know, me, let, right. me, let me give you a picture because sometimes people will say like, tell me all about the orphanage. I'm like, oh, okay. We are not an orphanage. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we don't want kids to be in orphanages. We don't believe that kids belong in institutions. And actually, if you look at it, even from like a financial model, like traditional orphanages are very expensive to run. Huh. And so an acres of love forever home is actually less expensive to run and we have such incredible transparency and accountability because we've got a full-time house parent and then a full-time house parent assistant in every house. Hmm. So there's always two parents on duty and um, you've got no more than six to eight kids in a home Mm -hmm. um, and these kids have their own beds, their own spaces. um, Mm -hmm. And then we've got just an amazing team that wraps around every family. So we've got a transport team of drivers that drives kids because we've got kids in like over 40 different schools. And they're not just drivers, right? They're uncles and aunties and they're talking to kids about their day and praying with them and telling them, you know, stop eating those snacks. You're making a mess. You know, like <laughs> yeah, as, normal as parents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. um, and then we've got like social workers and we have therapists and we have just a, a whole team. Sometimes I joke with Jason. I'm like, I want to be an Acres of Love mom. <laughs> like, I would like to have the support system because yeah, really. it is. It's incredible. Oh, so that's cool. Uh, OK, so that that makes a lot of sense then. So so how many. Like, so right now with Acres, like how many homes are there? How many kids? Like, Yeah, so we've opened 34 forever homes in Johannesburg and then kind of an eastern region in Johannesburg called Benoni and then Cape Town, specifically in Somerset Mm -hmm. West and Strand and Constantia. Those are three different kind of regions Mm -hmm. in Cape Town. Um, And we've got almost 200 kids. So even that, like thinking about the number of homes we have and having that small of a number of kids, like we're really able to give them the very best care. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We've been open since 98. So in that time, we've had like over 500 kids come through our doors. Okay. Um, But we love adoption. So some of our kids have been adopted. And when kids Mm. are adopted, then that allows us to invite another child into the Mm. Acres family. So we love that. Um, And then some of our kids have aged out. So we've got young adults who are either kind of around town. We've got one um, young man who graduated from university and has been working for Deloitte in Johannesburg. Wow. We've got hmm. um, young adults who are bakers in local bakeries or working at local salons. We've got a bunch of kids in college right now. Um, we have one young lady who transitioned out of Acres of Love and actually is now a house parent in Cape Town, which is wow. pretty awesome to kind of see mm-hmm. the circle of just yes. love. Um, yeah. So that's exciting too, to kind of watch. And then we've got over 40% of the kids who come to our care have moderate to severe special needs. Mm-hmm. So for those kids, we've got two of our homes are actually called special needs advancement centers. Mm-hmm. So those are houses specifically for our young adults to transfer to mm-hmm. and launch into as young adults so that they can launch at their own pace or mm-hmm. live there throughout yeah. their life if they need to. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Because when you say like forever homes, does that mean, like, I mean, do they sort of come back for 
Christmas or something yeah, when they're yeah. grown ups. <laughs> yeah. You know, like <laughs> Yeah, so it's interesting. So we've been around since nineteen ninety eight. So we've had like our first wave of young adults yeah. launch. So we've got a bunch of young adults who are kind of paving the way. But it was hmm. interesting because at first it was like, oh, we haven't launched kids yet. So what is this going to look like? Yeah. yeah, that's true. So we actually kind of created this like three-step process so that they would have like, oh, okay, so this is what it means for me to launch. I first, you know, I move into a back house at a different Acres of Love Forever home with a roommate. And then, hmm. you know, if if what we cook is messed up, we go in the big house to have dinner there. <laughs> and then and then I start and I launched my flat or apartment, yeah, but so Acres cool. maybe helps me get furniture for it mm-hmm. or helps me get my clothes for my first job. And then we actually have like something in place for our young adults. So we have birthdays that we kind of have big birthday celebrations a couple of times a year for them to all come back to. We have a Christmas together. Mm -hmm. Um, We just had our first Acres of Love wedding. So everybody was together for that. All the young adults came back for that. And then, you know, it's family. So they do come back for like, you know, weekends together. We've got an Acres of Love youth group that comes together every couple of weeks at one of our houses mm. in Johannesburg. And so all the young adults usually come back because it's like a braai, which is South African barbecue. And okay, they get, yeah. you know, it's good food. And also they end up kind of being mentors to mm-hmm. our teens, which is incredible. So sure. it's very much, you know, how a family would work. Yeah, that's so cool. You know, uh, teen, teens maybe don't love you as much, but once you're young adults and you live on your own, you're like, you yes, please, I'd like to yes. come back for food. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. Is the is the national and then local government pretty supportive of this or have you had to jump through some hoops with the homes or tell us about that journey yes to both um so it's interesting there are different kind of regions of south africa um, and they're run differently so we started in johannesburg and we opened a bunch of homes there and then transitioned and started to expand into cape town a couple of years ago and when we went to cape town um, the government was like, well, we don't believe in orphanages. We were like, great, neither do we. And they <laughs> said, and we really want like single family homes with no more than six kids and full-time house parents. And we're like, great, that's our model. <laughs> yeah. And so over the course of kind of starting down there, they were like, we love you. Please hmm. like open a hundred homes down here. Wow. So we've kind of maxed out our first region in Cape Town mm-hmm. um, because with the local government, you can only like license so many homes in one particular area, which actually is perfect for us because we open our homes in cluster regions so that I mentioned before, like all of the resources around each home. So we'll open like five houses within maybe walking distance or carpool distance. Really strategic. Strategically, yeah. yeah. So then that they're sharing all of those transport and social mm. work resources. So it's great. So that's our model anyway. So now we're looking to expand maybe into another kind of suburban area in mm-hmm. Cape Town. But um, so the government loves us. Mm-hmm. And um, we've actually been able to become kind of a leader in orphan care in mm-hmm. South Africa and beyond. So it's great. We've got so many tools that we've created over the last 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. So we love sharing like, oh, you're starting this. Like we have a very thick manual on what it means to be a house parent and mm-hmm. kind of all of the guidelines. And, you know, we're always learning to be able to best care for the kids. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. And then yeah. now the people that started Acres of Love, can tell us a little bit about, because yeah. it's not just like um, sort of America coming uh, to help, right? right? So this it's, is actually yeah. one of my most favorite things about mm-hmm. Acres of Love. I am one of two Americans who are on the team. Um, we've got 150 on the team in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And then we have a really small U.S. office. But I love that Acres of Love is South African started, South African run. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not Americans coming in <laughs> to be like, let me solve your problems. Right. Um, so our founders were a family living in South Africa. They are South African. They had young kids. They saw this incredible need outside their door. Um, in the 90s, the orphan crisis and the AIDS pandemic were just ravaging 
um, the continent and specifically Southern Africa. And they thought, what do we have? We have this rental house that was our first home. Mm. Let's open it as a way Mm. to welcome kids who don't have families. And so in 98, they got certified with the government and they brought home the first handful of kids to that forever home. And then over the course of the next couple of years, they ended up actually moving to the U.S., to Orange County Mm -hmm. with their kids. Um, And they ended up meeting a bunch of Americans who were like, tell me about this thing that's going on in South Uh, Africa. And oh, my gosh, it sounds amazing. We want to get involved. So it's interesting to kind of see how God even used their move to the U.S. to just bring this army. Not close the door, but actually expand it. Yeah, they thought, oh, this one home, we'll have this one home and commit to these kids. And then it turned out that... um, a bunch of Americans loved the idea mm-hmm. and wanted to fund it. And then also we've got like a ch- an amazing church in Singapore. We've got people in the UK and all over the place who mm-hmm. have come alongside and either fund specific homes. And then we also have like some really amazing churches in South Africa and corporations and all sorts of kind of local entities in South Africa who come alongside our work as well. Mm, that's so cool. And I think it yeah. kind of gets into that whole... Um, gospel patron sort of concept where yeah. we've had like, I mean, that's a book, but it's not <laughs> yeah, yeah. by John Reinhardt who's spoken here about that. But that is like the concept is that like for people to understand, like you might not be able to work beyond staff like you are, Aaron, at Acres of Love, yeah. or you might not be able to go and be, be a missionary overseas, but you can see something that is like as God has put on your heart and, and maybe it's it's orphan children in South Africa yeah. for you and it might be something else for yeah. someone else, mm-hmm. but it's to see like, okay, how can I really be this this person that comes in and brings a foundation of financial support to an incredible movement? Totally. Right? And the cool thing too, I think, is this idea of like find out what God's about and jump on, jump in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because these are God's kids. Like that's kind of a foundational thing for every single person who works at Acres of Love. Like none of us view it as a job. Everybody at Acres definitely views it as a calling. Um, but to be able to even for me, like as an American, I love like they don't need acres doesn't need me. How lucky am I, though, that I get to be a part of what's yeah. happening hmm. here, like with my family. Yeah. Um, I, I don't get to live there, which is OK. I get to visit a lot and I feel like it's my second home. But hmm. um, just to be able to support our team in South Africa and mm-hmm. to be able to like shine the light on what they're doing. Hmm. I just feel so happy to be able to do that because. Hmm. The, all, all of the people doing the amazing work who are in the trenches and like the everyday heroes, they're all in Johannesburg and Cape Town. And so it's mm-hmm. just so fun for me to be able to feel like, oh, the, God put this on my heart as a kid and I get to like support what's happening there. Like, yeah, yeah. Awesome. It's really great. So then like nine, 10 years ago or something like that, you yeah, started yeah. to, you know, you're you have this passion for for adoption still in your heart and you've been involved with acres and you've been going to South Africa. And I should maybe stop you and say, Jason was so supportive of me getting involved with acres of love because at yeah. the time you could not adopt as an American. And he's like, oh, great. You should be as involved as you'd like. I'll support this completely. Cause he was like, we already adopted check. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that worked out well for him. So yeah. But then things, I mean, you're a pretty persistent person. Maybe people don't know this about you, but I I think if you get your uh, head into something, you're not going to stop. Which technically, I think Jason knew that from the get go. Some as people well. call it excitable. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> stubborn. Yeah. But yeah, Jason. I mean, you. By the way, if people don't know this too, I think you were almost like middle school sweethearts, <laughs> maybe high, early I high was school a sweethearts. Freshman in high freshman school. Freshman in high school. I was 14 and a half. We had this moment the other night, like we were doing dishes in the kitchen, and we have a 14 and a half year old, yes. and we kind of looked at each other like. 
what? Yes. Our daughter is the same age. Yeah, meeting her husband yeah. right now. Have but, you coached them a lot on that? Like, this yeah, is we not normal, guys. It's not normal. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. This does not happen often. Right. Don't. Don't find your future spouse at 14. <laughs> it's a long road. All right. So eight years ago then. Yeah. Um, so, so. Yeah, yeah. So we were as a family, like all in as volunteers and kind of invested at Acres of Love. And I kept visiting South Africa and working with the team there. And I started telling Jason, like, I think we're supposed to adopt from South mm. Africa. And he's like, it's not legal. <laughs> I was like, I know, but I just... <laughs> Like, and actually like God put one child at Acres of Love, mm. just like in my heart, mm-hmm. fell in love with this child in particular who ended up, I think, um, kind of being the person that spurred us toward yes. adoption. And so, um, Max and I actually had taken a trip to Rwanda Your son and Max. Uh-huh. yeah, yes. Um, and we visited and kind of did a vision trip with another, um, nonprofit that worked with orphans in Rwanda and Max came home so on fire and so, just passionate about kids being adopted and families that that kind of ended up changing Jason's heart. Two against one. <laughs> right. I was like, Oh, I did not see this coming, but great. <laughs> like, yeah. That wasn't my goal in taking Max. But, um, and so Jason's heart kind of changed right as the laws changed mm-hmm. to um, open South Africa for adoption to, um, to the U S other countries had kind of adoption agreements with South Africa, but the U S did not. So, um, that happened, and Jason was like, "Okay, I think I think I'm open to this," mm. um, and that was in 2011. Okay. So yeah. So yeah. So we were like, "Oh, great! We're so invested in Acres. Maybe God will just like work it out for us to adopt someone we already know and love." Mm-hmm. And that is not how it worked out. Mm. And um, adoption from South Africa—it's very complicated, and I could yeah. I'll just shorten it, but um, they are a Hague country, so adoptions work kind of differently there. And one of the cool things about South Africa is they're very child centered. So you don't like just make your way up a list and then you're to the next family and you get matched with a child, but it's very intentional, which I think is so wonderful and so focused on specific kids. So it actually was a really long process. And Mm. so we actually got matched with the little boy in 2015. And within like 12 hours of meeting him, we were like, oh, this is like the child's that God had for our family, he's like the perfect Mm -hmm. fit and balance and exactly like what our family needed. Exactly. And so then, I mean, you had, you had to go then at that point and you spent a couple months or six weeks. Yeah. 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 Six weeks. So as your whole family. Yes. Yeah. Living in South Africa. Living in South Africa. It was like, we look back and it's still like one of the most amazing faith filled (laughs) like journeys for all of us. I mean, Jason had to take six weeks off of work, mm-hmm. which when you're in sales and work on commission, that's, yeah, that's, that's this is a serious commitment. Yeah. Um, you know, like we sold a car mm-hmm. and the kids all missed school and mm-hmm. it was magical. But it yeah, was it was amazing. Yeah. You yeah. had an incredible time. As and well. like I had been going to South Africa for years. I loved the country. I was like so comfortable there. And so for me, it was so much fun to get to take the rest of my family because yes. none of them had been there yet. Right. And then they all fell in love with it. So it was great. And one of the things I really appreciate about how you and Jason walked through that time was you really opened up and were transparent with a lot of our community too of saying, hey, pray with us. We want to share updates with you. And I remember just following your journey there. Um, Do you remember when you first met your son or the nerves of walking in? And can you describe any of that for us? Totally. Um, So so South African adoption, I know like a lot of countries are unique, but 
we got a call before Christmas 2014 saying, hey, we want to match you with this little boy. We were like, yes. And then we got a call in January saying, okay, get, in, get on a plane in two weeks. So <laughs> South Africa is unique too in that there's like nine official languages. So even though we had four years to wait for this adoption, we didn't know what language to be learning. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out our son was Zulu. So we like tried to quickly learn some Zulu. <laughs> Um, and so we got on a plane, all six of us. And in general, you're supposed to like go to where your child is living and you're supposed to meet them and then, you know, go back to where you're staying. And then you have like a two week bonding period where you come visit the child Mm -hmm. and then you go to court in South Africa and they legally declare you a family. And then you do like a month of immigration work to then be able to come back to the States. So we... Do this long journey. We get to, he's from Durban. So we fly into Durban in the morning. We like almost didn't make a couple flights because there were some issues, but we get there. (laughs) We pull in like we're all jet lagged. We're in this manual um, van that everybody thinks is a taxi because like the taxis there (laughs) look like, yeah, yeah. yeah. everybody's trying to get on, (gasps) like using the motions. And, you know, Jason's trying to drive this stick on the other side of the road. Like there are signs that like don't run over the baboons. (laughs) And so we're just, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot. I'm so picturing we, it, right? Yeah, it's a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so to like to get to where he was living in this children's village, you kind of have to like go up this really steep hill. He's from a place called a Valley of a Thousand Hills. And mm. it's this like beautiful, breathtaking, almost looks like Hawaii, like mm. lush yeah. green. And then they have all of these kloofs, which mm-hmm. is like cut off, like just very deep ravines. Mm. So we're like driving up and driving down in this manual yes. van, right? Yes. We're oh, and goodness. on the other side of the road. And With very little slim. children in the With car. With little children in the car. <laughs> and like, you know, having to stop on the downhills because maybe people are like herding cows across mm-hmm. the road and we're like <laughs> jet lagged, right? So this, this is a lot. So we pull in <laughs> and we go into this like tiny little room in this, um, in the village where he lived and, and we're kind of, there's this one window. And so we're kind of all sitting in this room and out this window, we see this little boy coming into the building and like my kids are like beside themselves flipping out. So excited. Cause this is, I mean, our kids were all very much a part of this yeah. like journey. And are you having to be like, keep it chill guys. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right? Cause like- at one point our social worker <laughs> getting ready for this adoption was like, I just need you guys to know that. You all have really big personalities, and yeah. <laughs> I'm a little worried you might be too much for whoever comes into your all family. Once, yeah. So we were like, pretend oh, like man. we're calm, guys. Like, keep it together, <laughs> which is such a joke now because, like, Cause Ben, ben is, is the biggest personality yeah. of all. Yeah. Uh, which, again, it was like, oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And so then we had sent ahead, like, right at the last minute, like this, like, Shutterfly book so yeah. that, like, they could share pictures of our yes. house and of us. And so, it was super cute because they mm-hmm. walked into this tiny little room with our son, uh-huh. who's four and a half, doesn't speak any yeah. English, but they did, you know, they asked him some questions in Zulu that were like, you know, do you, do you recognize all these white people? <laughs> and so it was cute because he kind of started pointing like at Jason, he called Baba, which is how you say dad. Oh, and then Booty oh. is how you say brother. And so he's like pointing. So it was like very heartwarming for us Ooh, to be like, yeah. oh, good. Like he's ready yeah. for us. <laughs> yeah. And then like 24 minutes later, they were like, okay, you can take him. And we were like, wait, <laughs> what? what? Yeah. <laughs> like, we haven't even English. gone to the yeah. grocery store. <laughs> so... Off we went to like this grocery store where I'm thinking like, he doesn't speak any English. Oh my goodness. What if I lose? Like, what if he runs off? Like what? Right, right. Do you sort of have like a paperwork that shows you have permission to even have this child with you? No, nothing. Nothing. And you know, we were in this area where like we were the only white people. So also I was like, 
how are, will people believe that like right. we're allowed to have him with us? So right. it was just this crazy experience, but it was wow. so unbelievable. Yeah, it was unbelievable, yeah. it, but God was so gracious. Like mm. he was so open and like ready for us. Mm. And so like quick to open his heart to us that it was just, it was awesome. It's beautiful. Yeah. So awesome. I remember too, yeah. you invited a, a lot of us to the airport at John so Wayne yeah. um, when you came home as a family of six and to this day, that was such a highlight. It was amazing just seeing your family coming down the escalator as a family of six and everybody cheering. Oh, we still talk about it. We got a, we were on the plane, like just getting up out of our seats and Jason's brother called him. He was like, I don't, I haven't met him yet. I don't know what like personality really he has, but there's a lot of people down here. <laughs> I, mean, I think I not think exactly like, like hundreds of, of people. School, yeah. yeah, had like left school for the day and yeah. we're standing down there. And it was so great because I remember looking at Ben and he was like, mm-hmm, yep, these people are all here for me. Like yeah. <laughs> he was all about it. That's so great. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, God, I think did totally bring you the kid with the personality that fits in your oh, family. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it's just crazy to think about how even just like our decision to get involved with Acres of Love really did kind of change mm-hmm. our whole family trajectory. Yes. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I know. And that's, and that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. I yeah, think absolutely. People think like, oh, if I get involved with this ministry, it's going to change my life. And that sounds like a, that, that's a negative almost. Right. You know? And a lot of people get involved or... with Acres of Love and don't adopt. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not cool. like a requirement. That's probably true. Yeah. And has it even, I mean, is it gone back to illegal now again? So yeah, that's very complicated. So the, yeah. um, the, the largest agency in the U.S. who we actually adopted through because um, South Africa, you have to have like a working partnership right. with a U.S. agency. They actually decided to not renew their Hague, their Hague agreement. Yeah. So they will be finishing up mm-hmm. adoptions. And so, I mean, in general, I think that first family preservation right. obviously is always yes. the best thing. And there are so many kids in South Africa who are not with their first families, are stuck in a system. There are over 3 million kids orphaned in South Mm -hmm. Africa. And kids who have special needs in particular Mm -hmm. are the ones who end up um, not being easily adopted domestically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the crazy thing is, though, Americans have been super open to adopting kids with special needs. Mm -hmm. So even at Acres of Love, we've seen so many of our kids who maybe wouldn't have had an opportunity to be adopted, adopted by Americans. So I'm hopeful that um, the South African kind of child advocate agencies will be able to find other partners because yeah. there are just there are so many kids who need a family. Right, mm-hmm. right, and that's well there's so much pushback right now. I know this is like kind of controversial a little yeah. bit, and especially yeah. for you as someone who has adopted internationally, yeah, totally. but there's like a lot of pushback on international adoption. It feels like out there, yeah. from the U.S. And I get it, right? right? Like it's so complex, and I absolutely understand. Why there's pushback. I absolutely believe that the best thing for a child is to be in their first family. If they can't be in their first family, I believe that the next best thing is for them to be adopted in their community yeah, um, or cared for long-term in a family-based care system in their community. Mm-hmm. And there are still kids that don't get either of those things. Yes. So I think being able to be open to the idea of a child growing up in a family outside of their community yeah. is really important yeah. because... Mm-hmm. I think that God created the family as like the most sacred community system. Yeah. And so if that means a child is cared for outside of their first community, I think it's still yeah. worthwhile. Hmm. So a couple things that I yeah. want you to give advice to, to people. Well, like one is 
to get involved with acres, but also to get to like sort of get involved in like adoption or or even yeah. some sort of pre, you know, obviously pre-adoption yeah, yeah. kind of orphan care, like in that world. Like, what do you first let's talk about that, uh, like orphan care adoption, like yeah. some of that, like what how does someone that's like listening to this, they're intrigued, they have a tug, you know, they've always yeah. had this tug in their heart. But what, what do you think they should do? Some first steps. OK, um, someone has a tug. <laughs> I mean, there's so many amazing opportunities to check into. So like if you have a tug about what I'm talking about, Acres of Love has a very active Instagram and Facebook there you go. kind of yep. world. So follow us on one of those. Um, check out what we're doing. We really do try to highlight kind of the daily op- happenings at Acres of Love, what it means to just kind of grow up in a family there. And they um, just search Acres of Love. Yeah. Google Acres of Love. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And actually, this cool company did a documentary on us a couple of years Mm -hmm. ago. It's like a 25-minute thing. It's so, so amazingly done. It's on our Facebook page. You could pop on there and hit the link. Um, So that would be one way. There's actually a bunch of people who attend Calvary who are really involved in Acres of Love as part Mm -hmm. of kind of the Safari Sister Emissary group. Mm -hmm. So one of the cool things about Acres of Love is we've got a bunch of volunteer groups that um, have just come alongside to fund or kind of do like buy a home or do the operating costs for each home. Mm -hmm. And so we've got groups in Orange County who are connected to like specific forever homes. Right. Like Noah Elias, who just preached at Calvary. He is actually a part of a different um, acres group. Mm -hmm. So it's so amazing to have these groups come alongside. So his home, like he gets to be invested in these kids' lives, get to hear about their Mm -hmm. updates. Um, And so like there's a group of people at Calvary who get together every year, do a crazy walk and mm-hmm. they go visit um, their aunties to the kids at Acres, which is so, so fun mm. and do vision trips. Um, again, it's not like we're coming into like rescue or like do the daily care yeah. of the kids. We're really, um, we love it when our donors are able to come and invest and like partner with our team, support our team, encourage our team, and also like have these extended family relationships with our kids. Mm. So that would, that would be one way to do it. I mean, if you're interested in adoption or orphan care, even like locally, say families and all of Crest are yes. amazing yeah. organizations to look into and they're right down the street. Um, another way to do it, if you're really interested, even like in family preservation is to maybe find like a single parent locally and say like, Love how that. can we support you? What yeah, can we do yeah. to... Um, be an encouragement to you or give you a break or babysit so you can have yeah. a night off. I think that's encouraging of family preservation, especially for yeah. um, families who maybe are in crisis. Yeah. Anything to read or anything like that that you recommend or just not necessarily, but um, like about orphan care. Yeah. It's a good question. I know, sorry if that's, I didn't ask you to prepare <laughs> I mean, for that. honestly, so the biggest book or the first book that comes to mind is called When Helping Hurts. Yeah, that book? absolutely. Like that, I think that's a great book to read in terms of like, okay, I'm super passionate about maybe the orphan crisis globally, but what could I read that makes sure that I'm helping in a way that helps? Yes. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, so, because When Helping Hurts is about when you do the hurting on accident, yeah. essentially with good yeah. intentions. But I just also wanted to like even address for people like, it's not just all romantic and beautiful, this journey of caring, of adoption, of foster care, like foster yeah. care people in our church even now that have like been trying to adopt and even like weren't able to be placed with the child with them after the child had been with them for a while and removed and just heartache and struggle. It's not I messy. Think, I, it's, it's messy. It is. Oh, it's gosh, messy. Yeah. It's the messiest thing ever. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, where to okay. begin? So I know, I don't know, I'm not I think, saying tell your stories. But yeah, then, but yeah. Just... So as a family who has adopted twice, mm-hmm. as somebody who's been very entrenched with kind of our acres journey and family, mm-hmm. 
Like you cannot have adoption. You cannot have a child come to acres of love without there being just incredible loss or trauma. And that always kind of precedes the beauty of these stories. And so um, like even just as a mom, I am very aware of the fact that like my kids' stories are theirs. I'm very um, aware and cautious about the pieces I share Mm -hmm. about their stories and journeys. Um, we kind of talk at our house about how we're the guardians of their stories until Mm. they become adults and then they get to decide what they share, even like with their siblings or others. Um, and we try to encourage them to like pick a couple safe people. Like Eric's wife, B is a safe person (laughs) for our family that Mm. like our kids know, like, Oh, she's adopted. She's a person I could talk to. She loves me. And, um, so being aware of that, like, yeah, I would say that adoption is messy. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's beautiful. Like it's the hardest thing we've ever done and it's probably the most beautiful thing right. we've ever done. So. Absolutely. Yep. Just, uh, yeah, I think it's just the don't, uh, don't get into it thinking it's just going to oh, be this don't. romantic, beautiful yes. thing. I mean, Only I, it is. Do you want but... me to get on a soapbox? <laughs> like, for the record, adoption is not rescuing. Right. Like don't get into adoption because you're like, oh, I can rescue someone f- and fix them because I think mm-hmm. if anything, adoption just shines a light on all of the parts of you that are like messy and broken mm-hmm. as you're trying to like love somebody who has a really hard beginning. And mm-hmm. so, um, and in a lot of ways, I would say that like, we're the lucky people. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times people will be like, oh, your child is so lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay, number one, mm-hmm. no. But number two, like, I just feel like how lucky are we as right. like to get to be their parents? That, right. And to be honest, parenting's messy. It's uh, not like it's not sure. adoption parenting. It's all yes. <laughs> and it's messy at every stage, <laughs> right? Yes, like exactly. it's messy when they're little ones and people yeah. say things in front of your kids and you're like, How do I answer this in a way that like honors my child and their story <laughs> and yeah. also like is polite? <laughs> and then they get into their teens and you're like, How do I honor your story and your pain and your messiness? Mm-hmm. And also, you know. Yep. I'm human with feelings. Too. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, but I think what we just love is that you followed your calling and that's what, you know, and that's, this has been how God has been shaping and prompting you and you followed and pursued that. And, mm-hmm. and for everybody out there listening, it's like, you have to think about what God has been prompting in you, yes. not what God has prompted in Aaron or mm-hmm. me totally. or Matt, you know, yeah. like, and so then, and to follow that and pursue that through all the struggle and the heartache and yeah. the, and the joys and, and really dig into it. But I think if you dig into it all the way, you're going to experience all that, but it's also then going to be, you know, ultimately the most fulfilling joy. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, like going into this, like I've learned both with parenting and with acres of love, like this isn't my story really. Like, these kids that come to acres, these kids that have come into my family, like this is their story and it's maybe their story and how they're interacting with God and how God is healing them or God is transforming their lives. And it's not about me, right? Yeah, like I right. get to be a part of it. That's, I remind myself of that often. That's great. (laughs) It's good. So, okay. So you can find out more about Acres of Love at acresoflove.org. Okay. So find it there. Look for the Instagram. Find all the pretty pictures that Aaron has taken and others. A lot of them are just from our house moms on their cell phones. There you go. There you go. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. You've moved beyond being the staff photographer to some other roles. And so it's really great. So thanks so much for sharing. Thanks for having me. You got it. Thanks, Matt. Well done. And thanks for listening to the Calvary Life Podcast. Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary Life Podcast. If you enjoyed our show this week, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. If you want to learn more about Calvary Church or share any of your thoughts, 
check us out on our website at calvarylife.org or find us on one of our social media accounts. We're on Instagram at Calvary underscore church, Facebook at Calvary Church of Santa Ana, and Twitter at Calvary Life.